Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger of Hi. J. Rieger & Co. Andy Rieger Joined of J. Rieger & Co. Joined as always by my interrupting co-host, Matt Basinger of Swell Spark. We're in the Let It Fly Media Studios. And as always, today's episode is brought to you by M-Prize Bank. We've got a great guest today, someone that I've known for a long time, Miss Linda Endcott. She's the Managing Director of the Hellsberg School of Management at Rockhurst University. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Are you? Because uh, we're, we're about to grill you uh, hard. Absolutely. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I am ready for it. I'm excited because my, my background is higher education. I uh, did before, not know that. Before I got into this whole entrepreneurial thing, I was working for the University of Kansas and then at uh, a secondary school here in town. And uh, so let's talk education. The softball question, though, just to get started, you know, gain some comfort. What, what do you do? What is, you, it's a very long introductory title, right? Isn't it impressive? Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. so many <laughs> syllables. Totally. What yes. is the Hellsberg School of Management at Rockhurst University? Well, the Hellsberg School of Management, it's part of our college, so it's the business part of the college. And I am the executive MBA, so the age group that I am with is mid-40s. So that means I have some in their 30s and some in their later 50s. It's about the coolest thing I've ever done. The people that I get to work with and I get to meet to come into the program, they just blow my mind. They're really fantastic. So from a marketing standpoint, how are you separating out the types of students who would be interested in this program versus maybe more of a, a typical student body who is going to get an MBA right after their undergraduate in their in their 20s? Well, the executive MBA is very small. So the cohort is about 18 to 25 at the most. And it's more about the eight to 10 years worth of management experience that the people bring with them. And so when I'm out meeting with people, it is just a lot of fun to kind of walk up to someone and they start talking about their career and they talk about, you know, some of the changes they'd like to make. And then as soon as I say where I am, people will say it's been on their bucket list. And then I kind of work from there. Let's take a step back for a second. Do it. How did you get here? Not, not, not like, you know, you drove a car to the studio <laughs> and we're now doing the podcast, but... You get what I'm saying. How did you become in your role? Um, I've had a lot of roles. My very first job when I came to Kansas City back in the, let's just say, later year, earlier years, um, I was a kindergarten teacher here at Sunset when it was still the girls' Amazing. school. So I actually started in education, which is what my degree is in. And then I went into a lot of different jobs. I've worked nonprofit. I've worked corporate. And um, one of the, a university over in St. Louis was looking for someone that knew the community well here. And a friend of mine said, hey, I have a job that I want you to look into, to which I said, didn't know I was looking for a new job. And I met them and they said, we want to hire you because you have such a career that is non-academic. Mm. And that's actually how I got here was it's the non-academic. And um, I'm here at Rockhurst University with the executive MBA program and I couldn't love anything more. And are you actually at the campus? Mm -hmm. I am, I have an office in the campus right next to our classroom. We hold classes there for the executive MBA. It's now customed for the executive. So they are there only in person once a, a month. So we're there for an all day Friday from eight to five and all day Saturday from eight to five. 
the rest of the time, anything that they are doing is online. And as I tell all the incoming students, if you do two to three hours worth of homework every day for the next 21 months, you will never fall behind. <laughs> On top of their jobs. Absolutely. No and probably their kids. Absolutely. Well, it does because we are Rockhurst University. It does go faith, family, work, and then education. And I would say after the first three months of classes, people generally find their rhythm. Mm -hmm. And because it's such a small class and we break them into teams, they know how to work really well within their teams. And we ask the teams to meet once a week and at least, and a lot of them meet a lot more. During the pandemic, what I loved is the teams would meet like right before dinner and then they would all turn their computers around because they all wanted to meet each other's families. They would all have dinner together with their families mm online. So we made it four minutes and 47 seconds until we started talking about the pandemic, which is, I mean, that's, that's uh, yes. pretty good. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we're, my we're next question was not even about the pandemic. Mine is, so you're I'm heading in. in. We're, Go we're going in. Uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about how the pandemic has affected higher education. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's a huge push to go online. Um, there are a lot of folks who realized that they, the campus experience maybe wasn't cut out for them or it wasn't possible or whatever. How did the pandemic affect this non-traditional learner executive MBA program that you're overseeing? We went online for about three months. And again, the executive MBA, part of the reason they come into that is the cohort experience and the peers that they meet within that classroom. They become lifelong friends. So we only went online for three months wow. and then um, our dean, and I love our dean, Miles, if you're listening, you're awesome. I do love our dean because he asked permission for us to come back onto class. Mm. And we made it in a very large classroom that holds 78, and we had uh, 19 and 21 in each respective class, so we could space them out. In the classroom, we had a temperature gauge when everybody came in, and it was self-reporting. Sure. And some of the people in the class are physicians. Um, everybody, almost everyone in the class had children, so we knew that they would be very careful of themselves and very careful. You know, we all took good care of each other. Yeah. Me? No, go ahead, good. buddy. I love it. You got it. All right, I have a series of questions. I want the I, listeners I, to be able to understand better what the executive program really is and how they work through it. But in order to get there first, how many total classes do you have going simultaneously? Two. Okay, so there's two sections, and mm -hmm. those are both starting every single year in the fall? Yes. Uh, we always begin in August. And it is a one-year program? 21 months. 21 months total. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, this, fire. This so those 21 really months overlap. So you have one that starts this fall, and then you will have the next one start next fall. And you just every fall, so your two overlap each other by a, a year. How many students per class? Officially? Anywhere between 18 to 25. You used the number 78 earlier. What was the 78? You said 78, and then you break them into classes. No, no, no. The classroom size was for 78, and in the pandemic, they only had 20 people Shrunk in 78. It. Yeah, you I'm threw me on so, that question. I'm so Ooh. good at listening. Okay, so so we have. I was writing all my really awesome questions. He was writing right. down all his yeah. rapid fire. I'm starting to awesome sweat. rapid fire questions. Awesome. Uh, okay, so we got that. Everything starts in the fall. When is the application window 
for people to submit and what is the process like for applying? Is there in-person interviews? Is it just written submissions or online nowadays? What is that process truly like for those that want to apply when they have to do it, et cetera? We open the application process in October and I meet with every single person in person. And since we already said COVID, during COVID, I actually switched it and met with people in my driveway because I wanted to meet people and people were looking for a way to get out of their own yep. house while still being safe. So I met with them in my driveway and told them to bring their own coffee croissant and I'd provide a chair <laughs> in distance and we did that. But I like to meet with everybody first and then um, I have information that I share with them and uh, then the process becomes, I send them the link to the online part of the application and they have to submit their academic records directly from the academic institutions. So they are uh, records that we receive directly from wherever they've gone, any institution. And then um, they put in a, a, you know, their name, where they work. And then I have them write an essay and it's a two page essay, no more than two pages. And it's an essay that talks about what's their why, which is my favorite question. I wanna know why people really want this executive MBA. What do they bring to the table? And again, it's about eight to 10 years worth of management experience ahead of time. And then what it is they wanna get out of the program before they graduate, what is something that they feel will be impactful? And the other thing, thing I have one more. more, before you interrupt me again, the other thing Guys, I want is... <laughs> sensitive. Thank you for hugging me, man. Uh, I'm hugging you from a distance. I appreciate it. But it is whole person learning. So we take a good look at Cura Personalis, which is really what Rockhurst stands on. And it is whole person learning. So during that why, it does become important that they come into that classroom knowing that they're there to learn, but also to share. And so you talk about how you want to know from them what they want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot how of people say they want more, but they can't define what that more means. And they know that they want something for their career. And we talk about how the executive MBA actually impacts their family life as so, well. So. I sort of, my last bit on this is, what is the overlap between what you find to be the most common answers that people say that they want to get out of the program when they are spelling it out for you, either in person or in writing, and then based on what is the most common there, what is it that you feel the program provides to people that if someone asked the question to you and turned it back on you, what should I expect to get out of this? How would those answers correlate? overlap and that can be something that allows the listeners to really understand if this is for them that is a great question yes <sighs> you that get, we've been doing this for two years and you just had your first great question congratulations <laughs> a good <Such> one a <laughs> when matthew <laughs> when, when i hold, hold on just one second real quick um you working on that sorry the tv turned on and we oh. want it to stay off justin sorry. are you I gonna just put you. on like youtube TV or what are we doing here? Did you get it figured out? 
Look, you just, you just interrupted Appreciate Linda. She was on a roll. I was on a train Andy of thought. Had his, Andy had his first great question, and it's just and you, the momentum. And you have to remember, I'm 72. Somewhere no, in there, not. I'm going to forget it. Oh, yeah, I am. I just want to say that... My son is 46. My daughter's 43. Yeah, I'm 72. Do we understand what just happened here? Don't have that on recording. Every single person in this room is against me. <laughs> this is a conspiracy. I just as said I you had a great question. Yep, and as soon as that happened, everybody just shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. This guy. So right. I'm not to compliment the host. Let's right? let's get back to the no great no no question. no love compliments because I never get them. People always look at me and they're like, ah, this is the guy with. No offense. They're like, Andy probably has the thickest skin, so we'll just you know poo poo all over him during mm -hmm. the show. And I just take it, and Matt loves it, and Matt. Always sides with the guest, and he's like, ha ha, Andy, <laughs> ha ha, called out, dummy. I think I'm and actually I'm just, just meaner than you like, are. Hey, you know, <laughs> I like intentionally <laughs> shift things to make sure that we make fun of you on a regular basis. That, that, that works just as well. Yeah. <laughs> There's no issues. Yeah. All right. Back to your restate your question, at least in, yeah. in some form or fashion. You ready, JK? Yep. All right. Oof. Yeah, I'm going to do the other one. There we go. Oof. Okay, now we're good. <laughs> Wait. Oh, where's that thick skin, bro? Head still on your <laughs> shoulders, my God! I'm a robot. All right. So, Linda, you talked about how the students will ask you, or yeah, we're still going. So, Linda, you talk about how the students are required to tell you what they want to get out of the program. How does the average answer there, which I'm sure there are some that come up way more often than others, how does that overlap with what? you would answer if someone turned that question back on you. And I think that this can help the listeners really understand if this program is for them based on what students are expecting that would be their peers and what the administrator believes is going to be the outcome. That is a very good question. It's a great question, Congrats, and I love buddy. it because Thanks, it guys. is important for the people that I talk with to be able to really think about their why. It's something you can't take it lightly. It's you're going to invest a lot of money and you're also going to invest a lot of time. And since it's going to take away from some of your family life, but really add back into it with what you learn. So when they come to me and they start talking about their why or what it is they're looking for, it is a lot of them will say, I don't know what I don't know and I don't know what I really wanna get out of this. I know I just want something more. I have more aspirations in my career. I want to be a better person. I mean, we can run the gamut for what they want. When I'm talking to a surgeon who is coming into the class, you know, why do you want this? And some of them have actually said, I want to understand the patients that I serve better so that I can speak to them in a language that's familiar to them, not just medical terminology. And so they say it helps me be a better person, which brings me back to cura personalis, whole person learning. Because one of the first things is that we do at Rockhurst, it's all about leadership and who are you as a leader. And before you can answer that, you have to look at how do you lead yourself? What is it, who are you? You know, and so we talk a lot about that. What I want them to get out of the program is I want them to feel the value of it. 
I would say for all the courses that we have, like we start off with accounting, which can make people sweat. I'm out. If you're not an accountant. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. It's, I knew that you would be, and we get into finance and marketing, and those are not my strong suits either, but it's for a lot of people. It may not be their strong suits, but they learn enough to know what questions to ask of the people that they're working with within the business where they are. And I think that's a major part of an executive MBA. You know, you know just enough to ask the right questions. You know just enough because you now have figured out who you are as a leader and how you can help bring out the best in someone else. And that's really what I want them to get out of there. A lot of the students laugh when I say it's truly a transformational experience. And they've told me, we go back out to the car and go, mm, yeah, transformational, sure. And they said it actually is a transformational experience. You hit that point where you're going, wow, uh, there's so much that I really didn't know that I didn't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, and it's right here in Kansas City. It is right here in Kansas City. We are up on 40, uh, 52nd and Troost, and we are here to do good in the community. So our campus is very active in the community, and I like being out in the community. And it's a beautiful campus as well. It is. It is. Right now, we have 38,000 tulips in bloom. It's oh, wow. gorgeous. That makes me want to come, for sure. Mm -hmm. My wife's a florist. She'd love it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now you know. Uh, I, now, I like it's, now it's my turn to fire off questions that will all be better than... <laughs> love you, buddy. Um, you've mentioned a couple times that you have medical doctors who are taking this program. Uh, when you have people who are coming from so many different life situations as far as what they're doing right now, do you find that a lot of your students are coming to do your program because they are actually trying to transition into a new career? Or is it because they're trying to bolster and double down and become better at the journey that they're, they've already been on? A lot of them like to double down and be mm -hmm. better at the journey they're, they've already started. However, after they go through the program, some of them will say, I didn't even realize I had an entrepreneurial spirit in here. And I know when I'm meeting for, with them for the first time, I say, tell me how you're an entrepreneur in the job where you are now. You know, how did you take ownership of that job? Which is what my parents taught me. They said, whatever job you get, take ownership of that job. Mm -hmm. Be accountable to yourself and then be accountable to the company. And so when I meet with a lot of people, those are some of the things that we talk about. I love that. Uh, my last business question, we'll say, and then we'll get to the most important question. Oh my goodness, so many questions. Day. Questions upon questions. That's what this, it's a podcast. These aren't good ones though. Yep. Can you just share with us maybe a, a, call it a case study or a story of how someone really had a life-changing experience through your program? Um, the life-changing experience, I would say we just got finished looking to their listening to their senior projects. And someone started off with the question of how many of us still have the same positions at the same company that we had when we started? no hands went up. Wow. So everybody makes changes. It may be within the company where they are. One of the things I talk about with some CEOs before uh, their employees or their 
parts of their team come into the program is be ready because when they come back, they're going to be bringing disruptive ideas. And it is important, you know, that you're ready for them when they come back Mm -hmm. and they'll feel it if you're not. And a good number of the students are still at the same place of business, but they're in totally different roles. Um, We have one that just recently uh, left where he was, and I can't get too specific on that, Um, but he left where he was and the new position that he has is just off the charts amazing and we got to hear about it during the executive project he left andy's company to no, join mine I, no i was no, literally, no. literally well, going to say that well, he must have left swallspark if this is the story and the way it worked no it's really it's pretty amazing to see how they all change and how they all stay together i'm working right now with two alums from the class of 88 and 92 and they still meet with the students that they went to school with so cool. in the program, yeah. they still meet at least twice a year. And of course, then, as they said, we didn't have technology like we do now, but they all have text chains. Mm-hmm. And I have a group right now from the class that will graduate um, in May. Well, that's tomorrow, it's, basically. It's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up. They graduate on the 14th, but they're off on their international experience right now. So the last part of the program is all about working with some businesses in other cu- countries. And then they go over and they meet the people in the business and they present the case studies that they've all been working on. So right now they're in Spain and Portugal. Wow. So the first set of pictures I've seen are not with them in the businesses. They are all sitting around a table eating, drinking, and having a wonderful time. I've never been to Spain or Portugal. Let's go. Come come into the program and you can have your say on where you want to go. We will film the follow-up to this episode with you next year in Portugal. Sounds good. Or Spain. Um, Either one. I'm fine with either. We can have a big bowl of paella in front of us. It's great. And some sherry wine. Linda, my last question. No more business talk. What is the coolest thing that you have ever done? Besides giving birth to two children. Can't do that. Cop out. Oh, can't do that. Cop out. Oh, well, that was pretty cool. Children and marriage are not not allowable answers for this. Okay. Um, I flew in the Concorde. And it really is true. When you get up high enough, as long as you kind of snuggle up to the side window and crane your neck upward, you can see the curvature of the earth. And it was black above that. That was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. I love that. I was scared to death because I had small children at the time and flying was not my thing. But the person sitting across the aisle from me said, just keep watching the Mach meter. As long as it goes up, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) uh, My oldest kid, who's now four, has always been saying to me ever since he could speak that uh, we'll lay outside at nighttime and we'll look up and just like look at the moon and stars in our backyard and he's always said to me, Daddy, take me to the moon. And I've literally said to him, because I think in our lifetime, something like that could be possible. I'm like, hey, buddy, if we're able to, I'm going to take you to the moon. Just give it time. I say it every single time. My son, my son just came and spoke to the class. And I think one of the big takeaways that he said was such a simple sentence that we all need to remember today is the slowest day you will ever have. Hmm. So what you said, Andy, is absolutely true. Hmm. Well, Linda, on behalf of Emprise Bank, Let It Fly Media, the J. Reagan Co. Distillery, and Swell Spark, we are 
so grateful that you were able to come share some of your experience and share some of your time with us. And uh, it's exciting to see what you all continue to do here to make Kansas City a better city. We, we all know it's the best city in the world. Um, and I'm glad that you're getting to continue to show that on a regular basis. So thanks for making time. Thank you so much. This was a true pleasure. 